really focus on the pre-work. Think about what goal that you're trying to achieve, what the learning objective is for your your audience and really hone in and get that, that right. And then write the content in a way that's a little bit more informal and that comes across as a natural human to human interaction. Thinking about your visuals, what example are you gonna show? Is it is it going to be distracting or does it go along? with the step-by-step that you're trying to show. Um, so doing that prep definitely can save you time and improve the quality of your tutorial. Get feedback from people, right? So just don't put it out there and hope that it's wonderful. Uh, see if there's ways that you can maybe test it with maybe a core pe- uh, group of people in your organization or maybe have your team look at it. If you follow Andrew and Chandran's tips, the evaluation piece and getting feedback, that's, I think that's the missing piece. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are and wherever you're watching from. I'm Matt Pierce, your host. This is The Visual Lounge, where we talk about using images and videos in the workplace. And today, we're going to be talking about, I'm so excited for this topic, we're going to be talking about not how to make a good video. Anyone can make a good video. That includes you. You can make a good video. We're going to talk about all the ways, maybe not all of them, but most of them, a lot of them. We're going to be talking about the ways you can ruin a good tutorial video or just any video. So we've got a great panel of guests today. I'm just going to flash this up here. You can see their wonderful faces and we're going to jump right in by introducing them and letting them actually talk and introduce themselves. So welcome to the Visual Lounge, everybody, Kara, Chandra, and Andrew. Uh, Andrew, we had you in our pre-stuff. We had you go last. So we'll have you just start with your introductions and then we'll go to Kara and then to Chandra. So just quick introductions, everybody. Yeah, how's it going, everyone? I'm Andrew DeBell. I'm a learning experience strategist uh, at Atlassian, and uh, we focus on product training, so training customers on how to use tools like Jira, Confluence, and Trello. My expertise really blends integrated marketing and learning design, so coming in at that angle uh, and been making videos for a long time, probably the last 20 years or so. So glad to be here. Fantastic. Thanks for being here. Kara, how about you? Hi everyone, I am Kara North and I am a learning and development consultant. I have my own uh, self, I guess, um, consulting firm called The Learning Camel. And I really am focused in not only just learning technologies, but I really care about curriculum design and video is a big part of that. So really excited to be here. All right. Thank you, Kara. We're glad, we're glad you're here too and excited to, to get to see you at IRL soon. So, yes. all right, Chandra. Hello, my name is Chandra Owen. I'm an instructional designer at TechSmith. I've been here almost four years. Um, Day to day, I create the tutorial videos that you may see on TechSmith's website or sometimes even in product, Um, trying to help customers to be successful with Camtasia, Snagit, Audiate, and the different products here at TechSmith. And I've been doing training communications video for quite a few years, Um, was in higher ed for a little while before uh, coming over to TechSmith. All right. And so Chandra's made a ton of videos and she cranks them out like nobody's business. So, all right. Well, thank you all for being here because you're all experts in video. We're going to, we're going to get into ruin a good video here in just a second. But before we do that, I've got two questions I'm going to ask each of you. I would love your take. We'll start with the first question. When do you choose to use video? We, we know there's lots of options out there, right? Like there's lots of mediums we could go to. So what, what is it that needs to be true for you to say, yep, this is a video. So Kara, let's have you go first this time. Ooh, okay. So I think a couple of use cases that I've kind of used throughout my career. One is I spent a short time in my career in manufacturing. And so with manufacturing, there are 
a lot of moving pieces and parts that you, you can imagine. So uh, one way that we leveraged video was to just demonstrate processes. So the place that I worked at, they love those Vizio charts. And while those are good and you can reference them, sometimes it's just helpful to just kind of add a little bit more character to it. That way you're able to, to see and kind of understand how everything kind of fits together. So I'd say you have some kind of technical process like that. And then probably another one is when it's just something that is a very dense uh, topic. So, I mean, it could still be in that, that technical realm, but just something where if somebody just needs a quick hit or quick reminder, or if there are a lot of, I guess, issues that come up where there's common mistakes, sometimes a video can really help show those and uh, help people avoid them in the future. All right. Awesome. So I love that. So you got some density of topic and things that maybe need to be a little bit more visual. Andrew, we'll go to you. And Chandra, don't worry, you'll get your turn to go first too. But uh, Andrew, I'm curious, anything you would you would say different or change about this? Yeah, I, I find that um, video works well for a few different, different use cases. One is when there are some type of physical skills involved, you know, like you want to see an expert human on screen actually performing a task. I think in, in at least in as far as digital tools go, video is one of the, the, the best ways to be able to do that. Because as humans, as we're learning, we want to see, oh, how is the expert actually performing that skill or that task? And what are they what are they doing it so that we can then practice that exactly as the expert is is doing so. So things like, you know, maybe you want to fix something in your house, like put in flooring or learn how to swing a tennis racket or something like that, that you can actually see an expert doing. Uh, I find that video is a, a very helpful uh, way to learn those types of skills. And the yeah. other is, um, real quick, is just on on uh, software tutorials. So I, I think that, that there's a lot of anything that's that's visual that you need to see visually on screen and then be able to do it on your own screen to be able to map those processes. I find that it's that video is that one of the best mediums to be able to do so. Yeah, awesome. I, well, we are obviously fans of video tutorials at TechSmith. Like that's what we do all day long. But I love this idea of this expert. Like this, it, you know, it makes me think about YouTube and the rise of YouTube as like the the second largest search engine out there, and all the things that are happening there. The the role of having experts in our lives and the the value of seeing that person is pretty powerful. So uh, I love those answers. All right, Chandra, I can't imagine you your answer is going to be much than, different than Andrew's second one, but I'm curious, what what do you think for video? Yeah, for me, it's typically a process that has more than one, a couple steps. So, you know, if, if the process is just right clicking and, and selecting something, I probably wouldn't need a video for that in most cases. But if there's quite a few steps involved, it's nice to be able to visualize and see the context in, especially with software type of um, videos. The other is I like to look at the frequently asked questions that are coming into uh, our into our teams from customers. And if there is a common issue that people aren't following, maybe we thought something was intuitive and found out, you know what, with all these questions, it doesn't look like it is. That might be another time where a video could come to the rescue and help. I love it. Yeah, those frequently asked questions. I actually had a really great conversation just about that yesterday with someone about how valuable having a library of those is and, you know, just so cool to be able to point people like, oh, we know we, we got an answer for that. Just go go look it up. OK, so uh, next question here. And this one's, uh, you know, probably a little bit. We'll keep it to one thing. So what's one tip you could if you could give the audience any tip about improving using images or video in their work? 
what what tip would you give them? And Chandra, we'll let you have the the honor of going first here. Maybe that's harder. I don't know. No, I've got an idea for you. Um, I would say what I like to do is remove the noise. So if I have either I'm recording my screen, I make sure I turn off my notifications. I try to simplify it as much as possible. We talk about um, SUI or simplified user interface. So graphics that where you um, can take maybe a snapshot or screenshot of your UI and you can then take it into any photo editing software or Snagit or whatever you like to use and cut out those maybe menus or extra text or things that you don't really need and then bring that into a video editor and edit from there so you're removing that extra distraction. All right. Awesome. What about Kara? We'll go to you and then we'll go to Andrew and then we'll take a quick break after that. But Sure. So I think whether you're asked for it or not, go ahead and think about captions and a transcript. Uh, you never know when that will obviously come in handy to me. I think it's an important part of the development process that so often gets skipped and there's a lot of great tools that can help you build out captions quickly. Um, I believe Ani uh, does a great job with that. And then uh, there's other things out there on the market. But even if you are not expected to do it, go ahead and add them in. And there's, you can either burn them in or give it can toggle to turn on or off. But I just think you already have the audio there. You might as well put it together because it's much easier to do it on the front end than retrofit. Yeah, love that. Accessibility, it's a big deal. We should do it. We should be better at it. Even if you can't do everything, we start doing some. All right, Andrew, what about you? What's your tip? Yeah, my, so my tip actually starts before you even get to any of the video editing or video production side. I think it's most important to do that, that pre-work and that planning. So starting with like one very simple learning objective of what you think the uh, learner is going to get from this video, I think is the most important and, and often sometimes just kind of skipped over and, and started in the production. And then along that, when you're writing the actual script, I, there's there's this sense of like the, the English language where like the written word is very different than the spoken word, right? And I think a lot of times we write scripts in the way that we would read something, but then when that's actually said out loud in a voiceover, it comes across as, as sort of overly formal and I actually think it, it can be a barrier to the learning process. So that's my other tip that it's it's writing in a way that's informal, that sounds actually as somebody would naturally be speaking this and actually teaching this to you um, rather than writing it as it was to be read. Yeah, I love that. Keep it conversational, keep it natural. I, I happen to write like I talk, which is not good when you're trying to to write something formal. But but yeah, I, I, I love that tip. Well, thank you all for these this great kind of first step here in our conversation. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey everybody, sorry for the quick interruption. I just wanted to tell you about two things. One, we'd love to have you subscribe to the show. Go ahead and click the bell if you're on YouTube. If you are on your favorite podcasting app, make sure we're into your feed so you never miss another episode. And two, go check out TechSmith Assets. If you haven't seen TechSmith Assets before, they are so awesome. So many great things in there. Not only can you get stock photos, stock music that you can use royalty-free, there's also images, there are particular assets that work really well in Camtasia and Snagit. Stamps and custom intros, lower thirds, all those things to make a really great image or video or presentation. So go ahead, again, check out TechSmith Assets. That's at library.techsmith.com or you can find it through Camtasia and Snagit. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back. Okay, guest panel, we are so excited. We're going to talk about ruining a good video. Uh, so 
what's the let's start let's let's just get right hard hitting here number one attribute to that thing you think ruins a good video like what what's the biggest your pet peeve what what destroys anything that you thought oh that would have been so good but maybe it's something you've watched maybe it's something you've done um i can share my pet peeve it is uh so think about when you want to find those recipes and you've got to like scroll through a million scrolls to get to the actual recipe i feel the same way with tutorial videos when they have way too much um you know in the intro that i'm just like come on just get to it i just want to learn how to build this table or i just want to learn this ukulele song I just get to it so that that's my big pet peeve so what what I, i'm hearing you say Chandra, we, we should put learning objectives at the beginning of every single video in this video and it should be like three minutes long yeah please don't do that <laughs> <laughs> okay other thoughts about this is this a pet peeve for everybody well, it's interesting that, that you bring that up, Chandra. That's like, I feel like also on, on YouTube, there's this sense of like, oh, if I make my videos longer, then more people will uh, stay on the videos and stay on YouTube. And then YouTube will favor those videos. But then it ends up being like seven minutes of like a, an unnecessary backstory until you get like the last three minutes is actually the information that you want. So I think that's that's like one of the downsides of these these social platforms and Google and, and YouTube and how, they're, how they're prioritizing content. Um, but if you're thinking about it from a learning perspective, I 100% agree with you, you know, getting straight to that, that's very specific information. Um, and also along with that setting a setting a clear title of what the learner is going to, to, to learn from this information. I've seen that fairly often where it's some this like kind of ambiguous title where you're like, what, what am I actually going to learn by watching this video? So I always like to just be very straightforward and clear, even just using like how to language most of the time, right? Like how to do this one thing, right? Because then like before even watching the video, the audience has a very clear understanding of what exactly they're going to learn before they even hit play. Well, I'll just add to that, Andrew. I think the thing that there's a misnomer out there that that first five seconds it, for, from a YouTube social video perspective matters so much, right? Like if you're not keeping people past five seconds, you get like, I don't know the algorithm, but you get dinged. And so like, it's like, yeah, we, we, we often think, oh, I'm going to set something up. It's like, no, pull me in, but give me the information right away. So I stick around because that, you know, right. you want people to watch, but if I don't think it's valuable and five seconds in, I'm out of there. <laughs> I'm gone. Right. All right. Well, let's let's go to another question. So oftentimes I think, you know, we, we have these big things like maybe we we do the stories before our, our content. Uh, what's something that you think is small? Like, you know, instead of the big mistakes, what's a small thing that that can really just make something you know, otherwise not good or make it hard to watch or hard to learn from any any kind of things that you see people doing out there? Yeah, I'll start that one. So I think one that is a small that is something that you can change pretty quickly is the fact of, of just kind of knowing who's going to be watching it. So I think often when you are creating these tutorial videos, there is kind of an air of expertise already embedded in as you're making them. So as we're using maybe an acronym, as maybe you're referring to something, making sure that you spell it out appropriately and just maybe defining it for people that may or may not be as I guess well-versed in the nomenclature of what the topic is, I think that that's a nice small little change that can really end a video. Yeah, absolutely. What else? Well, I, I have a couple here. Um, 
one of them, like if we're, if we're just talking like software tutorials, since that's uh, a lot of what we, we make, one of the pet peeves that I have is, you know, if you're recording your screen of, a, of some type of software, typically the, the user interface is very, very small. It's like very, very difficult to read. And so when you record your screen that way and you create a video, it can, it can make it very challenging for somebody to actually learn from it because they can't see what each piece of it says. So something really simple that, that we try to do is just zoom in. If it's like a browser-based tool, just zoom in on your browser, you know, to 150% or something like that before you even record any of the screen so that all those buttons and all the text is just a little bit larger and easier to, to see. You know, I, I particularly, uh, I don't, I try not to watch screen tutorials on my phone, but there are times when I'm like, I'm having like, okay, how do I, how do I do this? You know, and it's like, nope. I, I cannot see yep. this. It's what is that button? It's and I should probably be wearing my glasses for it anyway, but who's time for that? Right, so. right. Chandra, what about you? What's what's the thing that just you know it's gonna ruin a video that you see? Um, this might be a little nitpick picky and I know that uh, people disagree depending on the level of polish that you want your videos to have, but for me it's paying attention to what the cursor is doing and trying to be a little bit more smooth with that or editing it in, in post-production. Um, so there are times when if a video is like on a hover state and it's flickering off and on, or maybe it's going here and here and here and you're trying to show me something and I'm I'm really gonna focus in on what you're doing with your cursor. So it sometimes doesn't get the attention I think that it needs to in tutorials. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I was just going to add to that, Chandra. I I 100% agree, and I and I think another thing on that kind of, the, kind of those small things, the details, is along with the cursor. It, there's like there's almost this. If we're talking software tutorials. There's almost this like flow, right, of consistency where you have the match the voiceover and the cursor movements and the clicks. And and there's like what really bothers me is when all those things change with each instruction, right? And and it's it makes it very difficult to follow instead of following a very consistent pattern of when the mouse moves, when the voiceover happens. And so I think that's another thing of just like getting that consistent pattern down so that the the human learners can actually you know, know what to expect um, for each one of those instructions that's coming up. Yeah, we don't want those robot learners figuring it out. They'll, they're too quick, but... <laughs> exactly, exactly. They'll get it right away. <laughs> no, but, but I think that makes sense, right? Like there's, it, it speaks to patterns of learning in general. And so if, you know, if, I'm, if someone's making a video, what are the things that make it so I don't have to keep reprocessing the understanding, right? Like that's, that seems pretty pretty straightforward, but it feels like that's really hard to do, Andrew, like getting the, I don't know, I've made hundreds of videos and I don't know that I, I have had, I've really thought about that. I probably have things I do because of habit, but not that consistent, like I did this on purpose more so than yeah. like, I just kind of, oh yeah, that's what I do. Right, right. I think if you've made if you've made that many videos, which it sounds like you have in the past, it probably just becomes sort of like second nature. And that's how you would think about videos. But I think for for those that haven't created a lot of tutorial videos previously, that's one of the big things that I always see, because um, I review a lot of these from from a lot of the vendor work that we that we do in partnerships. So I see that quite a lot of that kind of inconsistent and it, and it creates some some challenges to to get the information across because that's the whole goal, right? What's the easiest way to get this information across the screen? to that other person. And when there's any type of barriers like that, that can be easily removed. Um, I usually flag them to, uh, to change. Awesome. You actually sparked something. Oh, sorry. No, um, go, go Kara, please. Talking is, you know, with that, 
I think it's so good to have like a chapters or ju just timestamps for people to know of where to go in the video because we might want them to come back to it and revisit it if they're in the flow of work and maybe need that it's like oh i watched that in the video i don't quite remember how to do that so there's a lot of great ways to do that you know textbook camtasia makes it pretty easy with the markers you can export it to youtube and it'll automatically do the timestamp chap chapters which is great but if you don't have that there's other ways to do that but just thinking about replayability people coming back to it and making it easier for them to find that nugget that they need so kara i i i promise this will all tie together but a text study that we did called the video reviewer study actually talks about the number one reason people stop watching videos is they got the information they needed which means that probably they're going to want to come back and get the information if you can make that easy for them or they can point to their colleagues that's just a benefit the other thing that video study talks about is another maybe a pet peeve that we all have is audio what what's your views on you know audio because particularly in this world where we live uh where you know a lot of people are remote it used to be you know we're not all in the office uh we don't always have the the home setup gear that that i have which is you know a 4k camera uh, all what right so not everybody has that so from your perspective from how important to you all of you is audio to your video outcomes Well, I, I'm not a great example at the moment. Um, my Yeti mic is in the at the doctor's right now, so um, I only had my uh, my earbuds here and my mic, which do an okay job, but you know, probably isn't the top thing I would choose if I'm recording a professional tutorial. Um, so yeah, I definitely I've learned a lot with with audio. You know, having a good mic doing a test it's nothing's more frustrating than reading through a full script or recording and then playing it back and finding out that there's some sort of noise or or interference um or you didn't you know turn on to record the with the correct microphone you know all those things that can happen um so yeah it is it's definitely important to uh, get that test run and make sure your audio sounds good I, I want you, uh, Kara and Andrew, as my witness. You heard Chandra say that this is not a professional show, so <laughs> I'm kidding, Chandra. She she knows I'm kidding. I hope, Chandra, you know I'm kidding. Uh, but Kara, Andrew, any thoughts on 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 audio for kind of the importance? Yeah, I would just add that I think it's so trendy, especially in the last few years to lay down what I call a sick beat or a background track. But too often I hear that take over the voiceover or take over the audio to where you really struggle to hear. So if you are using music, I mean, I, I don't think you should be blending those two all the time. Uh, maybe there's a time or place or emphasis point of that, but I'd love to hear what you all think on that too. But I, I just hear way too much of this music playing all the time and I can't, I can't hear the person and it's like, what's the point? Yeah, definitely. That's, yeah. That's, that's a great one, Kara. I think it, it goes back to kind of the barriers that I was talking about too. And music can, can often be that like barrier to the learning process when it's just so loud and you're like trying to understand it's competing with the voiceover. Um, I, I definitely agree. Um, I would, a couple other things with audio I would add, I, I think it's, you know, it's one of those things that seems to always be an afterthought when you're creating videos, or at least if you, if you haven't created too many videos previously, it's sort of like, oh, audio, it's just the audio part. But I actually think it's probably as important or more important than the actual visuals that are coming on screen. Um, I, so I've always been 
one that pays very close attention to the audio recording. Try to always, if, if possible, use some type of external uh, record, microphone recording device if you have that, that option. And there are a couple other things that you can do if you're the actual one recording the voiceover to make it a little bit more engaging. Some things like, and this is not like based on any research like that you guys have done, Matt, but just with my own like <laughs> anecdotal experience, just uh, standing up when recording for some reason, it, it like makes, it adds a little bit of energy to to your tone and to the voice voiceover. Uh, and then also like smiling, just like, like being, trying to just like find a little bit of joy in what you're saying actually makes it come across a little bit more engaging and, and helps to communicate that information even, even more clearly I found. Yeah. Standing up is a great tip. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I have my setup here and I, I have a, a, a sit stand desk so I, I can stand up, but I, I can't get my settings for cam on camera to look good because of where my lights and monitors are. But it is, it is such an important thing that I, I often forget. Like I, and I find myself cause I'll start slouching and closing off that diaphragm that I got to like, Oh, I, I shift a lot in my seat during episodes. Cause I'm like, okay, I got to sit up. Cause I, you got to open up the your chest and diaphragm to be able to to speak and breathe. So right, it's overlooked. Yeah, yeah. It's like if you think about singers, right? They're hardly ever sitting down and singing, right? They're usually standing up um, for that same reason. But they also get the they can have the sick beats. So as as Karis, they can't have the sick beats. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they need them. <laughs> so I guess um, let's let's ask this because Kara said like no, you know, six the the music sometimes gets mixed. So should. should like, what's your thoughts about music at the beginning and the end, top and tail, as we might say in the business? Is that okay or does that get annoying? Ch Chandra, any thoughts there? Because I don't think you use any music in like the TechSmith tutorials, do you? I do not. Um, I, I feel similar to, you know, like we talked a little about like about this with webcams too. Um, maybe in the beginning and the end when you are trying to like build excitement um, but when you were trying to draw the attention on the steps to follow, I feel like music, unless it's real quiet and blended really well, um, can be pretty distracting. So we like to use it in videos. I, I have used it in videos where it's like, get to know Snagit. And it's a, an exciting video that's supposed to like, you know, let people see what Snagit can do, but it's not telling you step by step how to do the process. Um, so that music fit in well in that scenario but yeah it can be i don't want to add too many things to give them cognitive overload or anything with music and audio and visuals yeah so andrew what about you is uh, where you're working do you use music at all or is it like no we're just gonna go straight voiceover we do we do use music um i used to be way more like pro sick beats, uh, like in everything. And I'm, I'm a, I've, I've kind of shifted the other way a little bit. I still think that music is helpful on the engagement side. I think it adds, it sets a tone for the overall training. And, uh, I think that's important sometimes, um, to get, to build a little bit of like initial excitement and engagement from the very beginning so that you can keep people keep interested in, in the content. Um, I, what we've been doing recently is starting with that intro and then just fading all the way down to like very like like three percent or four percent in Camtasia, right? Like really just kind of like underlying, can't even really hear it. Uh, and then at the outro, um, ramping back up. So I've, I found that that's kind of a good way that like if there is a long pause and no voiceover, there's still something just like kind of happening in the background to keep people 
around, but it's not overly distracting from from the actual goal of the video. Now, I have to ask this question, Andrew, because uh, I'm I'm really curious. Do you use the same music track like across the series or across many of your videos? Or are you always mixing it up? I use the same one across across like a series. So if I'm making like a like a ten video course or something like that, I'll use the same the same track um, to to kind of create that consistency across that course. Okay, so I'll share my experience here. So long time ago, I uh, TechSmith launched our product Screencast.com, and I was making these one minute videos, right? So super short, like easy to watch, easy to digest, and they were coming out like about once a week. And these were kind of helpful tips about making screencasts. And I used music at the at the beginning, right? And it was the same track. Cause I was like, Oh, it's a series. Like people will understand. Like this is the, the one minute video series. I can't tell you, I got a lot of complaints. Uh, Cause like, can you please change the music? Because people were, I thought they were watching them once a week. They were watching them like 10 in a row. Oh, together. <laughs> it's like, yeah. uh, so I ruined in that case, I ruined videos, but it was also cause they were super digestible. Right. It was like, you were going to like three minutes and you watched three of them. So, uh, yeah. so, but it's interesting. I, but I love the idea of having something to tie together. Like, Hey, yeah, the, this, this, these go together. This is similar product or similar, yeah. similar notion. Well, music's tough too, because it's very personal for Like there's four of us on this call and we probably each have very different musical preferences of what we, I think is a good song and what you think is a good song. So it's kind of hard sometimes to like figure out what's going to be general enough that everyone's going to enjoy this and people aren't going to complain. Cause I've also received complaints too. Like, what is this music going on here? You know? So <laughs> Maybe you now speaking. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead, Kara. Go. I'm just gonna say, speaking of that, I actually had a client not too long ago, and their branding guidelines have suggested background music tracks, and that was one of the first like uh, branding guidelines that I've seen that included that. So I, I thought that was something kind of interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, never would have never would have thought of that. Well, let's let's move on to uh, another question and. Uh, all right, so Kendra, you actually brought up this uh, idea of picture in picture. I'm curious about using picture in picture in in your productions. It, you know, having like especially screen content or other content where there's something going on, and then your speaker is that good for a video, or is that you know, is there best practices, or like is that just kind of ruin it for you? When you see one, do you just cringe? So whoever wants to start off with that. Um, so I can share my opinion and. Uh... So for me, I have found, um, especially I'd say more in webinars, um, but you know, I think it can apply to tutorials as well. Um, when I do turn my webcam on in the intro, I feel like people connect with me a little bit better and I get better feedback from viewers. Um, so I do think it is a nice element to add, especially like, hey, today we're gonna learn you know, X, Y, and Z and then um, personally, though, I would minimize and or eliminate it when I'm getting to a point where I want them to focus on how to do something like I'm showing them a how to on the screen. And maybe I'd come back and appear towards the end in a conclusion. But that's my opinion. Um, I just feel like if it's on there the whole time, it could potentially distract them or maybe even hide um, what you're trying to show them. Yeah, absolutely. Kara, any strong feelings about this? You're making a lot of videos for people, right? I, I am, yeah. I, I'm really kind of on the fence about it. And I, I think it kind of like that last question about the music, I think it really can kind of depend on either like the culture of the organization, like who it's going to be. Um, you know, is it totally inward facing? Is it an outward facing resource, right? Is it uh, publicly facing for, for potential clients? 
So I actually totally agree Chandra's approach. I, I think that's a great one to do where you maybe welcome people, get that connection going, and then minimize and have them focus on the content of the video. So Chandra's model. Yeah. I did have one thing that came to mind that we do consider as well with picture in picture and tutorials, and that's localization. So if you're creating a video and you want to then translate it into a lot of different languages, that can be tricky when you have a face video um, and you can't just like replace the audio track type of um, fixes. Chandra, you don't speak German and French and Spanish and Italian and all the languages? Not not as of now. It'd be amazing, but no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now, Andrew, you actually started off earlier on talking about like that connection. So for, for you, what about what what are your thoughts? Should, should it be picture in picture or do you have another approach? I think it's. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a, I'm, I'm sort of like Kara, where I think this could go either way. It all depends on kind of the context and the goals that you're going for with with what you're creating. But generally, I do s stick with that sense of like that, that we're all conditioned in our education system growing up to learn from another human instructor, like a, a person standing up here and talking. So I think that it does help with adding that element, similar to what you said, San, uh, Chandra, from, from starting from the, the beginning when you're on screen and you're sharing something. Uh, there's that human connection element that I think is very important. So I think it, if you have the resources and the capability and it matches with with the goals of the video, I think it I think it's very helpful. Yeah, excellent. Okay. Uh, one or two more questions and then we'll go to our speed round. So this might be harder because, you know, we've all been making a lot, we make a lot of videos between us. I it would be interesting to know the kind of the video count, but we, I, I know I still make mistakes. So what are some of the mistakes that you still tend to make that you think, oh gosh, that just would have been a fantastic, awesome video. And it's like, maybe not as good as it could have been because of kind of this, the thing that you keep maybe getting like. I don't want to say wrong, but just, it's like, ah, oh, it could be so much better. So what are the things that you're still working on? I'll tell on myself, I think my two biggest Achilles heels are frame rate and canvas size. So I will bring in like different assets and then try to mix them or maybe a recorded, which I'm really bad about recording on one computer, recording on another. I know I need to be more homogeneous there, but that's just the way my brain works. Just roll with it. And then when I'm trying to piecemeal it all together, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is such a mess. So I often find myself trying to fix things in the back end where I'll publish it and just be banking. Oh gosh, I hope this looks good. But then I'll look at it and I see all these things wrong with it. And then I just go back tweaking. So those are two of my personal problems uh, when I'm putting things together that I, I still struggle sometimes and I just need to slow down really that's my advice to myself slow down and take your time when you're going through this um, I can tell myself that but then doing it's a different yeah I, well great great advice I love that and it, yeah especially when you do have multiple types of things bringing together it's it's tough to and it's tough to make it look good right it's just it's easier when it is uniform so love that who's next I could jump in I I have um I, I think I, I tend to be sort of overly formal with, with video editing and it ends 
and ends up taking longer than it should, right? So I think there's this, and, and I, I don't wanna be careful though, because I think there is a lot of detail orientation that's required in video editing and you need to kind of be deep in it to, to, to produce something that's valuable. But there becomes a point where it's like, now you're just wasting your own time picking at these little tiny details in it when you could have got this out two weeks ago, right? So I, I think that that's something that I'm trying to, to figure out is how do I just kind of push this forward, let's get this out. It doesn't have to be exactly perfect. No one's gonna notice that tiny little thing, that the, the way the transition happened in the top right corner, no one cares about that. You know? So I, I, I'm trying to just do that and push myself to just get get things out a little bit faster. Well, Andrew, you you don't know this because we just met, but uh, Chandra's husband is our is a video producer uh, and video team manager at TechSmith, and I I work oh, with nice. him very closely, and he'll he will tell you, and I will tell you that you know for any video person out there like that does video professionally, a video project is never done, it is never finished. You just have to put like okay, we just have to have an end state where we say this is where we stop because there's always something to tweak. But it's but such great advice and something that like I find myself yeah, there's a lot of great detail work that needs to be done but it can also be problematic because you can get caught in the loop of like, Oh, it's never, it's not perfect. It's not perfect. And well, it will never be perfect, nor will ever truly be done. So great. I love it. All right, Chandra, what's, what, what's the mistake you're making? Well, I can totally relate to what Andrew was talking about as well. How many times have we labeled our MP4 final and then there's final two and final three. Um, But yeah, my, I would say my error, um, mistake. I'm still working on two pieces. One is assumed knowledge um, and and pacing is my second. So they kind of go together. So you have some feedback on some hands that are like, it was too slow for me as a view, you know, viewers feel like it's too slow or some people say, oh, it's too fast. I couldn't follow along. Um, so it's trying to find that sweet spot of making sure, making sure you include enough information so that they know how to do the process or um, successfully, but not, um, yeah, and not go through it too quickly, and and not assume they already know pieces of it. Um, so yeah, especially as the curse of knowledge continues to build in the years that you have experience, and sometimes it's hard. I try. I talk about putting on my beginner goggles. You know, am I watching this with those goggles or not? Um, to make sure that. Yeah, anyone who's new to using the product can follow along. Yeah, well, and it's also I think uh, for anyone making software about their own, like tutorials about their own software or tools that they know very well, it's hard to also know like who who are those people like what is it that they don't know and what they do know. So I love it, love it. Well, here's what I think we're gonna. Do. I think these have been wonderful answers. You guys are all fantastic. Uh, we're going we're gonna to wrap up the show with our speed round. So for those who don't know, our speed round is meant to be quick, short answers to quick questions. We actually have a, a special way to, to come up with those questions. We roll a die. Um, so let's go ahead and jump in to our speed round. All right. So I have three uh, 12-sided die. One die for each of you. Uh, I've got a green, a blue, and a pink. So, Kara, which color do you want? Because you get to go first. You want the blue, and I'll I'll note it's got gold flecks in it just just for you. So, okay, let's uh, let's go over here to our dice cam. Let's uh, give it a little bit more light so you can see a little bit better. Here we go. So, this is the first question. Okay, so you are a seven. I'm gonna put set that aside. 
Chandra, do you want a pink or a green? Go green. All right, green and white. Michigan State Spartans for Chandra. Oh, it rolled off. That's right. <laughs> well, it's gone. It rolled off. I think I can see it. It's a one, so we're gonna we're gonna go with one. Okay. It's under my desk someplace. And then uh, Andrew, you get the last one here, and you get a six. So we got seven, one, and six. So we'll just come back over here. So Kara, you were number seven. So you've been you you are actually you've done a lot in the learning development field, right? Uh, you have you've been in higher ed. You've worked in large corporations, managing teams. Now you're doing the solo thing, which is awesome. So if you had to shift careers out of the world of learning and development, what would you do? Oh, a professional video game streamer, for sure. Like I, I would love to make money playing video games every day. Although I think at that point, I probably wouldn't find them as fun. But if that didn't work out for me, I love to be a veterinarian because I love animals. So there you go. Look at that. You got, you got plans. Good luck with the video game streaming. Uh, we'll just say that, you know, we, we do know video games played at the same time as the live stream does uh, affect the bandwidth. So that's true. Got to boost your bandwidth to be able to do both. So, all yes. right, Chandra, your, your, your speed run question is where do you turn for inspiration? Sure. I honestly look all over the place. Like I caught myself the other day watching an intro to a commercial and and paying attention to the animation and uh, figuring out, ooh, I could maybe apply that to the intro of my next video. Um, I, I like I like a website called Information is Beautiful that does a lot of infographic design, but I could take some of those graphic elements. Um, other company tutorials, you know, I've seen some of theirs, like, uh, to be honest, like something like Home Depot, where I'm trying to build something on the weekend and they have a video and then maybe 10 steps underneath that I can see the breakdown and be like, Ooh, I really like that tutorial and I might bookmark it and uh, use it for inspiration later on. I love that. Yeah. Go, go to the places that have beautiful things that have things that you can maybe not directly related, but relate for sure. All right. Well, Andrew, you have number six here. If you could be a hero in any story, who would you choose and why? Mm, that's a tough one. I, you know, I'm, I'm sort of this, like this weird type of person that I, I don't like watch a lot of movies or like, like TV shows. So I would probably go with the cliche answer of just like, I'm just trying to create my own story here, trying to figure it out as we go, to be honest with you. I love it. I mean, that's okay. We can be, you can be the hero in your own story. That's, that's yeah. fantastic. The right answer was was probably Luke Skywalker, but you know whatever, whatever. <laughs> right. I, I'm I'm kidding. Well, okay, you you've all been great. Before we go to our final take here, let's let's just say so. If someone's listening to this, they're like, oh man, that I really connected with that idea, that thought. Where is the one best place they should should reach out to you to connect with? You know, whether that's a social platform, an email, whatever you want. Kara, where where should people reach out to you? LinkedIn, uh, Kara North Eleven. Kara's got tons of great information. She's always posting and putting out great stuff. So go check her stuff out. What about you, Andrew? Yeah, same. LinkedIn's great. Send me a message or or just connect. Um, that's probably the best spot. Awesome. Chandra, what about you? Same as Kara and Andrew. Um, LinkedIn is just Chandra Owen. Yep. Send me a message if you want to say hi. 
And no, LinkedIn is not a sponsor of this, but <laughs> we, we appreciate appreciate all of you. So let's let's do this. We're going to do our final take. So Chanya, your wrap up summary. Uh, why don't we start with uh, you, Andrew, and then we'll go Chandra and then Kara. So Andrew, what's your final take? Yeah, a final take for uh, creating good videos. I'd say really focus on the pre-work. Think about what goal that you're trying to achieve, what the learning objective is for your your audience and really hone in and get that that right. And then write the content in a way that's a little bit more informal and that comes across as a natural human to human interaction. Um, if you focus on those two things from the very beginning, the rest of your video and the way that it'll come together will be much more smooth. Fantastic. Thank you, Andrew. Chandra, what's your final take? Yeah, mine is similar. Um, it's taking time for the prep. So like we talked about with um, thinking about your visuals, what example are you going to show? Is it is it going to be distracting or does it go along with the step-by-step -step that you're trying to show? Um, make a quick walkthrough, type it out step-by-step, um, -step, like what steps do I need to show them to complete this task? Uh, I like to do that in maybe like a Google Doc on the side and then I do a walkthrough and I tell you 10 times out of 10, I notice a step that I missed and it saves me time when I go to do the actual recording. Um, so doing that prep definitely can save you time and improve the quality of your tutorial. Awesome. Very, great, great tips. All right, Kara, what's your final take? My final take is give feedback from people, right? So just don't put it out there and hope that it's wonderful. Uh, see if there's ways that you can maybe test it with maybe a core pe uh, group of people in your organization or maybe have your team look at it, but don't just send it out to send it out. Get additional perspectives, even better if it's something that maybe some the content somebody's not that familiar with can they logically follow it. But I think all of that, if you follow Andrew and Chandran's tips, the evaluation piece and getting feedback, that's, I think that's the missing piece. All right. Well, thank you all once again for being here and having this conversation. Hopefully, hopefully we haven't done anything to ruin a good video, but, uh, you know, we, we appreciate all you care. North, thank you, Chandra Owen and Andrew DeBell. We, you guys are all rock stars and we're so honored and privileged to have you here on the visual lounge. Thanks. This was a great time. Yeah. Great. To, great to meet you all. And, uh, really, really enjoyed it. All right. All right, everybody, thank you so much for joining us here in this episode of The Visual Lounge. Hopefully you've picked up some ideas of how not to ruin your videos and got some ideas how to make them a little bit better. So go go follow Kara and Chandra and Andrew. All great advice and there's always more. You can learn from them by following them on LinkedIn. But like we like to do at the end of every show, wherever you are, wherever you're, whatever you're doing, we hope you take a little bit of time to level up every single day. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>